0: Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Dr. Dave, Dr. Michelle ND's here. What's up?
1: Hey, Dave. How are you doing today?
0: Good. 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 Net positive these days, Michelle. Net positive.
1: (laughs) Always, always a plus. Always a bonus to be net positive. Oh, my God.
0: It is. And what about you? You're you're heading on a trip?
1: Yeah, I'm heading out to go visit some familia in Montreal. So uh, we are going to just have a quick little recording and then i'm and then i'm out i need a little bit of an escape Everybody yeah, needs an escape we sometimes do
0: sometimes yeah okay so um we are going to talk about um some analogies that we use in clinic today and uh doctor means teacher and i find analogies are possibly one of the greatest ways to teach and it's one of the greatest ways to, i guess to learn from the other uh the other side. I, I was. I remember reading about um, whoever the guy made up uh, astrophysics. The basically the guy who did f- astrophysics first. He tried. He was like, "There's this force. It's sort of like magnetism. The closer things are, the more the pull is between them." And he was talking about gravity. And so, what he did to try and understand something is make analogies to thing that we things that we understand uh, as well. So, yeah, uh, I wanted to share one really important one i i use like every day multiple times in clinic and you laughed at me rightfully so because it has to do with the stomach which is hilarious (laughs) right Uh uh-huh
1: classic dave miller yeah
0: i know (laughs) but whatever i mean i'm gonna i i'm gonna talk about it at some point but we're also going to talk about some analogies that michelle uses a lot in clinic and hopefully these analogies are nice for you to sort of get a grasp of like um the essence of what we're trying to do sometimes teaching points
1: it's true it's true i find when you're somehow i've had some car analogies which i don't know anything about cars but that seems to be something that i do but um i find that it's like you get that moment with the with the patients and they're just like oh okay and they're like yeah that makes a lot of sense right where if you talk about it in scientific terms and like bodily function they're kind of like i don't know what you're talking about but when you it, it really does create more of a home run with getting the patients on the same page, because that's really important. Because like you said, doctor is teacher. I think we really value being able to empower our patients through the process. So they actually feel like they're part of the process rather than just being dictated, you know, treatment plans at like, I want my patients to understand I want my patients to appreciate and I want my patients to have an invested interest in the process because they actually understand what's going on rather than just passively being like, well, my doctor told me to do this. I don't really know why that if that's my, if that's one of my patients, then I haven't done my job personally.
0: (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. And I often think in these, um, maybe as a self-confessed sort of right brain thinker, I do think in these ways more so than the linear, deterministic left brain ways, which I love too. They're very valuable. Right. They're very, very valuable. But I do think more in these sort of right brain analogy ways. So um, I'm just—we're just, just going to share kind of how we we think of some things a bit. So
1: yeah, you um, want to start kick it off with yours? Cause no, you, were- you go.
0: You go first, and I'm going to go. I'm going to sandwich in the middle.
1: <laughs> You're the meat. I'm the meat. Sorry, vegans. <laughs> 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 Dave's the meat hit us hit us with uh, hit us with the buns dave the meat miller um, hit us with the buns make it a Um, triple decker sandwich let's go they're gluten-free buns um so sometimes when i have a meet and greet with a client and i'm trying to help them understand how naturopaths work i want them i want people to have more of an idea as to what they're investing in before they make a commitment because i want to make sure we're on the same page and that they are ready to invest in the way that I would like to teach them to invest in their health again. And sometimes I find people come to naturopaths with a bit of an allopathic type of approach and they just expect a pill for their problem because that's how we have been taught in society that you don't have to really like worry about your health until it gets grossly out of control. Then you go to the doctor and you get a pill and everything is fixed which is far from the truth. (laughs) So when I tell people, wouldn't uh, it be nice though? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? I, I often say things like a big difference between ourselves and, and standard Western medicine is in general, this is not every case scenario, but in general, I find that they tend to be more siloed where you have a skin problem, you go to the skin doctor, you have a heart problem, you go to the cardiologist, you got a gastrointestinal problem, you go to a gastroenterologist, where it's almost as if they they view the body as like separated parts. And by doing that, we do a huge disservice, we end up going more into symptom palliation when you're doing that, because you're almost like dissecting things and not getting to the real meat and potatoes of things. Um, and you're not really getting to the real root issues. So you I think a lot of people get more symptomatic type alleviation Band-Aid slash approaches or Band-Aid approaches, not always Band-Aids. But, you know, if someone goes to the skin doctor and they get corticosteroids because they have eczema, I feel like that's just suppressing the symptoms back into the body, but it's not really addressing why the eczema showed up in the first place. So I usually like to say when you start treating symptoms, it's almost akin to if you're driving your car and the gas light comes on, do you just put a sticker over the gas light and feel like you fixed the problem? And most people are like, well, no. And I was like, well, why would you do that with your health then? Right. My my job is to help you get to the gas station, fill up your tank, pay for it (laughs) and actually address the real problem. Right. Band-Aid solutions, symptom relief solutions don't really address what really needs to be addressed. They might feel like. like on a, on a conscious level, because you can't see it anymore. You can't feel it. You've, you've, you've alleviated things, but more often than not, it just pushes the problem deeper into the system or it just changes how it's going to show up for you. And it hasn't really dealt with the underlying real, real issues. That's where filling up the gas tank really comes in. And that's how I like to practice. And when I tell people that they're like, okay, yeah, I really want to get to the real problem. Like I don't want to just give band aid solutions anymore. So people understand a little bit more about my approach when i explain it that way it's the, the, a, lot the, of, the a lot of the car gas, analogies work the sticker on the the gaslight analogy
0: yeah a lot of car analogies work you they know do. just in in the sense of you know it's funny how people often if they i mean this is not the person obviously who's looking at the gas tank light and covering it up or ignoring the notification this is more like the general i'd say consensus is that most people understand if your car is like making noise like little rattles and noises or it's due for and an oil going. change or due yeah. for a service. Like we're pretty good at going and sort of addressing that problem while it's a small sort of symptom before yeah. waiting till the wheels fall off.
1: Right. You know? Or they, or they just know that they're like, Oh, it's time for my oil change. I got to go do that. Like people take mm-hmm. better care of their cars and they take care of their bodies.
0: Yeah. That's the bigger analogy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and naturopathic medicine wants to help you sort of, uh, come into the shop before things get uh really bad
1: newsflash you are more valuable than your car so you should take care of yourself better than your car I love my car though just I mean love your car but love yourself just as much if not more (laughs) that's all I'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) uh any other (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, not not on the podcast i'm not no, you're right.
1: the meat you're next you're up okay, i'm the meat you're the meat okay. remember in the in this gluten-free sandwich
0: <laughs> speaking of meat hmm. meat is a little bit difficult to digest wouldn't you say it's a oh little more di- difficult to digest meat than it is some you know carbs but i'm
1: punching from... <laughs> good segue <laughs>
0: yeah well done so my my analogy is is actually i uh, it's it, there's no way it's completely original because when i when I say it in clinic multiple times about the stomach and digestive fire, I'm like, man, they talk about this in Chinese medicine all the time. So I'm sort of biting some some bits of wisdom from other <laughs> other areas of traditional wisdom, including Chinese medicine where they roughly sort of talk about this digestive fire mm-hmm. and the fire this st- you know, the stomach is, of course, I'm going to talk about the stomach, eh? No doubt. I'm going to talk about the stomach. But the stomach is kind of like uh, the best analogy I can think of when you're trying to optimize the conditions of the stomach. Think of it like a fire or like a furnace or a fireplace. And the analogies could go on from there. Like you you don't want a fire throughout your house you don't like let's assume you need fire in your house like it's a northern climate or or a climate where you need heat in the house you don't want a fire open fire just like in the middle of the house you don't want no fire because you'll freeze to death what you need is a fire which is in an enclosed sort of controlled uh controlled zone right Hmm. and you you Mm -hmm. control the amount of you know air that gets in and and it produces heat but it's not rampant throughout the house so That incorporates the idea of the stomach having a structural Mm -hmm. component. You need to have the structure of the stomach good. You know, like if if the if the valves of the stomach or the container of the fire are uh, perforated or ulcerated or non functioning in terms of their ability to control contents in and out, that's not a very good fire. And you wouldn't want a fireplace like that in your home. You need a door on the fire that closes properly, and then um then we can talk about the contents of the fire so you know think is just you can almost follow your intuition like if you look at a a plate of food and you think that looks like it would be more difficult to digest than you know carbs or like some sugar you're probably right more often than not just follow your intuition like a like a steak and kale salad is the common thing i think of like those are high roughage
1: roughage and major protein like yeah yeah.
0: and and fat and they're del- like, and they're nutrient dense, you mm-hmm. know. So, so the analogy might be like a big piece of like well uh, dried out hardwood that you're going to put on your fire. If you put that on a really small like kindling fiber with some newspaper as fire starter, and you put a big log of beautiful wood on there, it's just going to smolder and it's going to smoke and it's going to be inefficient transformation, which is what the stomach is all about in Chinese medicines, transformation. Um, So you don't want to have a crappy little kindling fire, because even if you put good wood on it, you put like a really good piece of fuel that's supposed to give you heat and light, or in our case, we're going to look at like the hardware of nutrition. If we want to extract that properly, we need a fire in the stomach that is strong and contained and controlled, and we can turn it up when we want and turn it down when we want, which includes, you know, turning it up during eating time, which is why I give Betaine HCL to almost everyone during eating time to improve and stoke the fire when we need it. And then we leave it overnight. We let it cool down overnight. That's what you do when you have a fire. You sort of let it burn, and then you let it come down overnight. And the stomach does that that too between meals. It's not always at a pH of one, but you need to have this strong combust the like ability to combust if you compare it to a fire in the stomach if you don't have a strong like incinerator stomach you will not be able to break down foods and i'm just starting to learn all this sort of sequelae that happen when you don't break down foods properly Mm. um so yeah i i mean i'm always focused on the stomach as you know and you know rightfully laugh at me but
1: rightfully so and as and as someone who has suffered from low stomach acid and chronic digestive issues i can attest to how important optimal stomach function is personally i can attest to this
0: <laughs> what do you what do you think of the I, the fire what's what's your um what's your response to the fire analogy michelle got any additions to it
1: no i think that was pretty good i i con- okay. i concur <laughs> No, I think it's I think it's good. And I think that I um, this is a big conversation as well, is that people, again, are often looking to the symptoms and not what's causing the symptoms. And part of even a big concern that a lot of people have is bloating. A lot of bloating might be or can be contributed to the fact that you're not digesting food in the stomach proper. So then the fermentation process happening with the bacterial load in your small intestines or colon is that much more astronomical because undigested food particles are going there. So
0: inefficient combustion,
1: inefficient combustion. So so it leads to, like you said, a sequelae of symptoms. And again, people come in with the symptoms and you have to go and explain to them how important this step limiting rate limiting step is Mm -hmm. (laughs) the 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 combustion is like your stomach function and digestion is a pretty good rate limiting step when it comes to how anything else is going to work downstream so i think that yeah no i like that
0: yeah it's uh it's it's pretty solid and it's it's one that i i say every day multiple times
1: do you say it um, to yourself as well every day
0: you just sit there and say it to myself as I bow down to a, you know, <laughs> a model of the stomach. No, it's it's the the other cool thing I wanted to share um, from from the idea of uh, fire it, is that you can burn like if you have a sufficient fire, you can burn more stuff. And that that sounds dumb. So let me uh, explain a little bit. The, yesterday, I had a patient tell me um, we we kind of giggled about it because it, you know it wasn't our goal, but she said. Since I've been doing this betaine HCl it's been great. I've been able to eat foods that I normally couldn't get away with before and now they're not giving me any problems and I'm like yes. that's interesting cuz if I had like hospital waste that I needed to get rid of I'm not going to throw it on a small campfire. I'm going to incinerate the shit out of that in a incinerator. Yeah. And so again the the idea of a uh, a fire sufficient to break down um more stuff because i find most people are if you got it if you're picky and you can't eat many things and you have a sensitivity to this that and the other thing i guarantee listen up people it's your stomach primarily you've got an issue with the stomach so if you can break it down better with increased fire i would almost guarantee that uh, you'll be less susceptible to um, perturbations easy perturbations of the of dietary indiscretions
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so for others who don't understand what he just said, probably less food sensitivities. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And you're welcome. So um, the last one that I had now, this isn't necessarily something I would treat or address, but it's something I've witnessed uh, some people's patterns or habits. So sometimes I find people don't know how to get out of their own way. And actually do the stuff. Um, or there's a self-sabotage type of mechanism. And what I've come to learn with my own like deeper work, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychology, energy work, blah, 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 blah. Um, sometimes your subconscious belief systems and your thought patterns, uh, it can be seen as like a thermostat. If your subconscious belief systems are set to I'm not worthy or Uh, I'm too fat, or I don't love myself, or, or I don't know, what's the point, right? Things like that, for what for whatever led you to believe those to be determined with a psychologist. But if you're Mm -hmm. internal, let's just say your thermostat is set to I'm not worthy. Sometimes I have found that people who have that type of narrative inside of them, they start doing the work with me. But they find a way to stop doing the work. They're easy to fall off the habit and it's hard to get back on track um, because if you're like, if you mm-hmm. think of the thermostat you have at home, mm-hmm. if it's set to a temperature, if you open the windows and a cold breeze comes in, then the furnace is going to kick in to regulate the temperature to bring it back to the temperature you've set it at. If you have it a certain temperature mm-hmm. and something hot comes through. The furnace is going to come off and maybe the AC is going to turn on to regulate the temperature. Same with your subconscious belief systems. If your subconscious belief system thinks you're not worthy, then you might start telling yourself when you start doing things that are good for you, your subconscious belief systems like that doesn't feel safe because I'm not worthy of this goodness. So let's start changing our habits to sabotage this process. (laughs) And it's going to recalibrate. And that goes with a lot of our thoughts and our emotions, we have this thermostat setting. And that's why I find some people come to battle their their self with what they want but what they actually believe they deserve or what they believe that they are capable of internally versus what they externally think they need or think they want. And then they have a hard time getting to that next step or getting to that next health goal or committing to the process. And I find it sometimes it's because of subco- this subconscious belief system and it's like a thermostat. It's always gonna find a way to bring you back to what you feel safe at, even if that is detrimental to you long-term. And that's why okay. I recommend often people work with, someone who can help them unpack those subconscious belief systems, begin to shift them, begin to transmute them, do the healing so that you can start stepping more into your power rather than living in these like outdated belief systems that were probably generated. I don't know. Most people say between the ages of zero to seven, which as a 40 year old person, like myself, those are completely out of context and no longer serve me. <laughs> so the, the thermostat, thermostat is a energy. beauty. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I find a lot of people, we all have it. We all have some sort of thermostat gauge where our body tries to recalibrate us or our thoughts or our emotions try to recalibrate us to what it's been set at for so long. And I've seen this personally with people in my life who are very good self-sabotagers. I've seen this with people in clinic and I even had a client of mine literally admit it. She's like, you know what? It's so funny, I was doing well. And then there was this one day that I couldn't do a lot of the things so then I just gave up, and I and she's like, I literally heard myself say, "Why bother?" Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Why did I do that?" And I said, mm-hmm. "That's for you to figure out with your therapist, my love." But that's a really good mm-hmm. observation you had, right? And then she, because then she stopped doing it. She's like, and I don't know why I can't get back on track. And, I, and then that's when I referred her to work with somebody to to unpack the deeper work. But it's a big deal. That thermostat it is it's gonna get you. That's a ya. good one.
0: You to do a system override. <laughs> you can react to the environment, or at some point you have to engage your higher centers and do a system override and reset yeah. the sort and of
1: reset the thermostat mm-hmm. to, a new, a really to a new to a new to a new setting. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. and that takes that takes more work. So this is why I'm always a big advocate for for people working with therapists, counselors, life coaches, whatever it floats your boat. But you most of us have shit to unpack and most of us some there's certain areas of our life that we have a hard time getting out of our own way and we need mm-hmm. someone to facilitate that mm-hmm. yeah
0: nice well i think that was a, a real meaty stomach analogy sandwich Yeah. Yeah. good
1: yeah yeah it's a juicy okay. sandwich
0: yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll come back with more analogies because I find them really helpful for for teaching. And the whole idea with this podcast is to try and you know transfer some of the stuff that we learn in the clinic through interacting with our um, our patients, who we're so grateful for and um, who we feel really privileged to be able to help. They help us. Uh, That's it. They teach us it, it too. Helps you. Yeah,
1: They teach us, right? So just as much as we teach them. So thank you for everyone for helping Dave and I become more proficient practitioners.
0: And thanks for listening.
1: Yeah.